Michael Duke show. I have two guns, one for each of Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Luke Show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the interwebs at my website with the audio only stream at MichaelDukeShow.com. Also on Facebook this morning, (laughs) yes, we made it through YouTube and Twitch as well. Good morning and uh, hi, how how are are you? (laughs) Oh man, I didn't think we were going to make it there. I actually got started early uh, with the broadcast trying to get things rolling and uh, was finally able to get it to take on Facebook this morning. Um, I know most of you probably don't care about that, but... uh, it was important. I was trying to get everything loaded, and it finally it finally came together. So, um, anyway, today is, well, it's an important day for, uh, uh, for well, <clears throat> it's an important day for the Second Amendment in a lot of ways. One way in a bad way, the other way in a pretty phenomenal way, pretty earth-shattering, pretty groundbreaking way. Um, today, we're going to have a lot to talk about with... Uh, the new legislation that is going to be heard by the Senate uh, and the House today. The Senate has already um, voted for cloture and passed a brand new gun bill. And um, the House is now waiting to hear and get everything. It's expected, we're expected to see some passage happening today on this. And uh, I got questions. I got lots of questions. And uh, But Lisa Murkowski apparently has no questions. She is all on board and all for it. And we're about to talk about that here uh, this morning. Um, she is only uh, one of two of the 16 senators who voted for the bill who is up for re-election. Um, and I got to be honest, this should be factoring into everybody's thoughts uh, on this um, uh, on this issue. Um, of the other 16 senators that voted for cloture and everything else on it, uh, she and, and uh, another senator um, are up for re-election. Four are retiring, so they don't even care. They just don't even care. Uh, and the rest of them don't even come up for re-election until 2026, I think. So <clears throat> it uh, it should be an interesting discussion on that. But in better news... The U.S. Supreme Court has handed down another landmark ruling, and the uh, the landmark ruling, um, which will go up into the books, uh, just they'll, it'll be nestled right alongside Heller, the Heller decision, 
and the McDonald decision, and they have affirmed that the right to carry a handgun for self-defense exists outside the home. Nothing in the Second Amendment's text draws a home public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms. And uh, in a six to three vote, they have voted um, they have voted to uphold that and say basically your right to because uh, Heller had already decided that you had a right to carry uh, a gun and have a gun inside your home for self-defense. Uh, and McDonald continued to affirm portions of that. And now this one goes outside the scope of that and moves it to the uh, to the public domain, which is just amazing news, amazing news. Uh, it's not all roses and sunshine on that, though, um, even though we had six of the nine justices voted for it. Kavanaugh and Roberts made some addendums in a separate uh, writing, in a separate opinion uh, that we'll get into as well. So there's a lot of things to talk about with this today uh, and where this is going and what does it mean and how does it break down. And we'll go over all that this morning and uh, <clears throat> have some discussions on it. Today is also a day that we're going to have um, we're we're gonna we're gonna bust it down. We're gonna bust it down and take some phone calls from you guys as well, and see what you have to say with what we like to call a gun Q and A, um, gun Q and A. And uh, we're going to be able to answer any questions that we can, do, do our best to uh, answer questions and uh, see what you guys have to say. Uh, there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. That's important for, uh, that's important for you to know that it doesn't matter how you, uh, it doesn't matter how you, uh, uh, you know, how, how silly you think the question is, or maybe we've answered it before or whatever. And uh, the answer to that is, that's okay. That's what we're here to do. We are here to answer those questions, and uh, that's what Firearms Friday is, uh, um, you know, Firearms Friday is all about, is, is basically demystifying the firearm, the laws, to try and, you know, overcome what a lot of the talking heads have talked about and everything else. So that's what we're going to do. That's that's how we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to bust into this and we're going to uh, we're going to have we're going to have several discussions on uh, on what's going on. So uh, appreciate you guys coming on board and being part of it today. Uh, you could participate on the program this morning if you'd like. Uh, a couple different ways. Obviously, with the uh, phone lines, we're going to open up the phone lines here in a few minutes for Q&A. You can call us on the phone. You can always drop me an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com. That's M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. I'll go ahead and open up the – I will go ahead and um, um, I will go ahead and open up the uh, uh, email address here as well. So if you want to drop me an email. And finally, you can join us in the chat room and whether – you join us on Facebook, or if you're anti-Facebook, and instead you can join us on YouTube, you can join us there. Or if you hate them both, you can join us on Twitch. Doesn't matter. I can see all the comments. Now, you can't see all the comments, but I can. So I will do my best to answer any questions or talk with you uh, throughout the show and throughout the breaks and everything else uh, as well. So that's uh, that's how that all works. All right. So uh, let's let's get started, shall we? Take a look at all the different headlines and everything else. So first and foremost, we've got the Senate bill that is now um, 
which which is now the 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 big deal, the big the big big deal. The Senate uh, is uh, is now has now heard, and it looks <clears throat> they're going to get they got sixty five votes on the cloture of the bill, meaning that there was a uh, there was a filibuster that was being attempted. Uh, they were trying to slow that down, and the cloture vote has uh, has now occurred, and that vote included. 65 people, 50 of the, well, the the Democratic majority, it's 48 Democrats and two independents, quote unquote, who just basically caucus with the Democrats and do everything they want. So it's that whole, there's 50 Democrats is what it is, plus 15 Republicans, including our own Senator Lisa Murkowski. Um, And it is a... uh, it's a, it's definitely kind of a bittersweet day with this ruling and then the SCOTUS ruling. Definitely feeling a uh, a little bit of this, um, but you could see Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Todd Young of Indiana were only two of the fifteen who voted. They're the only two who are up for re-election this fall. Four more are retiring, and eight of the voters, uh, excuse me, eight of the senators don't even face voters until twenty twenty six. So I think that they're probably. I think that they're probably saying, oh, geez, I hope that the voters' memory is very short. Which, well, I mean, if history is any judge, probably by the 2026, they will have completely forgotten about this vote, this one vote. And so many of them will be just fine. There were a lot of no votes, including potential presidential contenders like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, uh, Tim Scott of Carolina. Uh, Tim uh, Ted Cruz said the legislation would disarm law-abiding citizens rather than take serious measures to protect our children. Uh, here's what the bill will do. The bill will make local juvenile records for people's ages 18 to 20 available during required federal background checks when they attempt to buy guns. So it would be an enhanced background check going back into their juvenile records, um, which heretofore has not happened because Usually your juvenile records are separate from your adult records, right? That's usually what happens. But in this case, they're going to open those all up. And instead of a three-day potential for a wait if you get delayed, it would now be a maximum of 10 days to give them a chance to root around in all the stories and histories and everything else to be able to do it. It would also close what they call the so-called boyfriend loophole. People convicted of domestic abuse who are a current or former romantic partner of the victim would be prohibited from acquiring a firearm. Now, here's the problem with this. They have a very hard time trying to delineate and define what a romantic partner is. Um, Under California law, which they they do have a definition of romantic partners, There is no limit to the length or frequency of a relationship before you can, you know, before they can basically call the who's call the call the 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 popo on you. Uh, I mean, literally, if you look at the way that it's written and I don't want to offend anybody here, but if you you know, if somebody goes out and has a one night stand and it ends badly at the end of the night where you have some kind of argument or potentially theoretically. This person could call the police on you and have a uh, and have, you know, get you, uh, you know, squared away and have you basically called out in this boyfriend loophole. 
It doesn't call for the. It doesn't have to be a set number of days. It doesn't have to be any. It could be a one single contact. Um, it, it, problematic to say the least. Uh, I'm not saying that we want firearms in the hands of domestic abusers, but the problem is, is that this is so vague and so up to interpretation by whoever the powers that be are is just is you know crazy, crazy stuff. Um, the final thing, the big thing, um, would be this federal enticement. This federal enticement by the uh, uh, the federal government, where they would dangle money out in front of states who don't have red flag laws, and basically a coercive bribery type method, where they say if you create a red flag law, we'll give you money. Now, the problem, of course, with red flag laws is that the vast, vast majority of them completely abrogate due process, meaning you, if you are on the receiving end of a red flag law enforcement, and they call it something else now, I don't remember what it was, it sounded a lot kinder and gentler than red flag law, but basically, you have no um, no forewarning, no right to defend yourself, nothing else until after the fact. They can get an ex parte order against you, show up at your door, demand all your firearms, and then after that's happened and a, a week has passed in many of the many of the states and many of the cases, then you have the chance to go to court and try and defend the, your actions? Question mark. Or whatever it was, and try to argue that they had no they had no right to do what they did. It's I mean it is uh, it it completely craps right in the face of American jurisprudence and due process. Absolutely, right just punches it right in the throat. Sorry, no due process for you. And that's a. You know, since since the since the right to due process is again is a cornerstone of our justice system, the right to be able to defend yourself, to face your accuser, to do all these things, these red flag laws are, well, supremely problematic. Now, that being said, is the mental health component of these big splashy mass shootings? Are they, uh, is, that a, is, that, is that a huge part? Absolutely. We need to address the mental health component of this. But the answer is to not give a blank check to all the Karens out there who would decide that somehow Uncle Bob is, because he has a different political viewpoint than she does, uh, is now a danger to society and she just, in spite calls up and uh, and tells the tells the police that he's a danger to himself and others and they come to his door at four or five o'clock in the morning and you know pound on his door and wake him up and he doesn't know exactly what's going on so he shows up at the door with a gun and they shoot him and you say well that's hyperbole no that's what has happened that's an actual case one of the first red flag law executions when they executed the red flag law not executed the person but when they first applied it, a niece of a, of a man in um, uh, Maryland, I think it was Maryland, she filled out all the paperwork, sent it in. The police showed up at his door at 5 o'clock in the morning. 
He answered the door with a gun because, well, I mean, who wouldn't? And when they said they, they were there to basically take all his guns, a scuffle, and he got shot. He got killed. So that's not hyperbole, folks. That's not, that is the, that is the real deal. And that's going to create some real problems. We're going to talk about, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about this here as we go forward and have more conversations about this. And then we'll open up the phone lines here in just a little bit. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll continue with more here, including Lisa Murkowski's comments in just a moment. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Good morning, my friends. How are you this morning? My God, it was a journey to get to you. I had to restart the stream four times, five times before Facebook would finally pick up. I mean, literally, it took me, I mean, it was like three minutes of me trying to start and restart the stream uh, to get, I mean, I'm just complaining to you because you understand my pain, but I was getting worried that we were going to be 100% YouTube again this morning because... I could not get the damn thing to pick up. Now I got to go over to YouTube and delete the four or five videos that I started this morning because, you know, YouTube keeps them as live. So they, they run for 15 seconds and then it stops. It was, oh, man, it's a, a, especially crazy. Uh, Drudge says that uh, Roe v. Wade, the end of Roe, it says five to four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Um, all right. Yep. It's uh, it's up and uh, and uh, good to go. All right. Um, we'll. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about with Roe v. Wade and everything here uh, later on the, the you know on Monday. Uh, we'll be talking about it. Okay. Uh, let me. Um, I guess I should make sure that the phone lines are... All participants are muted. Yep, all participants are muted. That means the phone lines are up and live and ready to go. All right. So anyway, it's good to see all of you. It's good to see all of you this morning, and I'm glad we, we can be... I will say that Facebook's uh, chat feature is a little more comprehensive than YouTube's. It does a little bit more, and I like that. Uh, uh, although I don't mind the YouTube one as well. I mean, I, I guess my question is, do I just keep doing all three or do I just go back to Facebook or, you know, I know that on YouTube, we got a, um, how many, how many, how many folks, how many, how many, how many, how many, how many folks on YouTube this morning? Whoops. Uh, is my question. Um, uh, let's see. What does a survey say? Survey says, uh, nine people watching on YouTube this morning. <laughs> So maybe we get those nine people over to Facebook. I don't know. I don't know. 
Think about it. The legal argument that SCOTUS has just presented leaves room for the interpretation that even red flag gun owners have the right to carry. When the federal red flag law passes, the SCOTUS will be able to hear the cases brought forward. Well, that's the thing. They're not calling for a federal red flag law. They're not because they understand that that would probably be struck down. They are using this money as an incentive for the states to pass red flag laws. That's, I mean, that's the thing. They know that they can't pass a federal red flag law that could pass constitutional muster. So instead, they've got $13 billion to throw around to be able to incentivize states themselves to, um, to pass red flag laws. Um, it's all good. Channel rewards are faster on Twitch, but I'm not sure that all the boomers will be on board. <laughs> Man, all the boomers, you boomers, you know, it's like boomers versus millennials. And all of us Gen Xers are in the middle going, you guys are crazy, man. Every one of you crazy. Dan says no way to Facebook only. <clears throat> so apparently I'm stuck with broadcasting on both. That's that's fantastic. I'm just stuck with broadcasting on both. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to the Pierce Grunewald team who are on with, with us on YouTube this morning. Hope you guys are having a good day. Um, red flag laws. Hey, would Charlie sign a red flag law into law or would he vote against it? I mean, I want to know. I want to know. Um. I'm just scrolling backwards to see if here there's anything else. If someone thinks you're mentally unstable with too many American flags or Trump signs in your yard, that is the truth right there. Red flag laws, that could definitely be part of that issue. All right. We got a walking vagina costume. All right, it's uh, we got to go. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, jumping back into it right now. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Here we go. All right, continuing on now, our discussions on the new Senate law, which has, again, passed the cloture stage, meaning it's now going to be uh, moved on to uh, in the uh, Senate. The uh, Senate has uh, moved it out, and it's going over to the uh, to the House. I was just asking in the chat room, you know, because again, any this is this this because somebody said something about well, you wait, they'll pass this red flag law, this federal red flag law, and it'll be struck down now because of the new SCOTUS ruling. That's the whole point here. See, they're bypassing that. They're not putting a red flag law in at the federal level because they know that it has consequences at the federal level. It would it would be hard to pass constitutional muster for a lot of what they want to do. And so instead, they are incentivizing. This bill is estimated to cost about $13 billion, and several of those billions of dollars would be used to incentivize states to say, hey, hey, you put a red flag law in and look at what we got for you. Who's a good little doggy? Who's a good little doggy? Oh, we've got some money for you if you do what we say. 
It's the tail wagon. That's the tail wagon, the dog at this point. Um, and that's what they're attempting to do with this out there. Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And, uh, and you know, we need to learn to get off the, you know, we need, we need to learn to stop liking the doggy treats, right? No, who's a good little doggy? Not me. Sorry. Don't want your federal lucre. Don't want that. I don't want that worm because you know why? That worm's got a hook in it somewhere. That's how we failed in this country in so many ways. Federal government held up the thing and it's like a dinner bell. Come right. It's like Pavlovian response. You know, the bell rings and my mouth waters. I can't wait to get more of that federal money. That's how they basically have conformed and, and, and controlled and cajoled most of the states in the country over the years. Is they're like, you want some money? You want some money? Who wants some money? You want some money? Do what we say. We'll give you whatever we want. Oh, man. Just say no to federal dough, says Donna. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Anyway, um, so this is all going on. And so the question is, why? 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 Why did Senator Lisa Murkowski become one of the senators who is in support of this bill? And, uh, and because you probably already heard she's voted for it, right? She was the final cloture vote to close the whole thing. Um, but Senator Sullivan has said he's going to vote against it. Now, before you pat yourself on the back with what a great guy Senator Sullivan is for voting against it, you, you may want to let me read the whole statement about what he said. All right. We're, we'll get into that first. But here's what uh, is reported in the AP that uh, that is that is ready to go. Uh, Lisa Murkowski uh, has said on this new bill, and I quote, No, I don't think that you just say, all right, we passed this and everything is solved. The bill represents what a group of lawmakers could come together with and say, this is a step in the right direction. I'm going to comment more on that here in a minute. Murkowski called the measure a, quote, thoughtful and targeted approach to the specific problems that we that have led to several of these mass shootings and a reasoned and rational approach for how we address additional mental health and school safety resources. There is a portion of the bill, and it's very complex about how they're going to give more money. Part of this $13 billion in the bill is going to be to new programs for mental health crises and all these other things, which I think in and of itself, okay, fine. That was something that, you know, we we get because, again, the mental health aspect of this whole thing is a big part of the problem. But let me highlight for just a minute what let me highlight just for a minute the, the one little thing here. This bill represents what a group of lawmakers could come together with and say, this is a step in the right direction. You know what's implicit in that comment? That this is a step. That this is the every journey of a thousand miles begins with but one step. This is a step in the right direction. Oh, baby. Oh, oh, baby. Uh, this, this is a step in the right direction. Every one of these things are already 
you know, a problematic and an infringement on the Second Amendment, making it more difficult to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Um, you know, here's the biggest problem. This is the biggest problem. And let's, I guess we'll step back to red flag laws for just a second, because here's the biggest problem. Most states already have laws on the books, although they're not the red flag laws as they are known of today, where somebody could come in and basically get an ex parte order on somebody. And, you know, there are already, you know, laws in the states that would allow you to report people who can, uh, you know, who may be a danger to themselves, who may be in danger to others. We have involuntary commitment laws in this country, and in most states we have those. Here's the problem about the laws that we currently have on the books and what these red flag laws do. The red flag laws explicitly remove your right to due process. In all the other ones, you basically have an ability to defend yourself before they take your guns put you in an institution or have you, you know, evaluated, force you to be evaluated. Those things all give you the right to defend yourself legally in those cases, and they don't take away or abrogate your right to due process. There are laws on the books that already have that. The second problem with red flag laws is that, uh, is that even if, if, you know, let's say, you know, again, you, you're if somebody executes a red flag order against you. They come in, they take all your guns and everything else. And then you get a you get a week. Basically, you got to come back and then, you know, you got to go to court. You understand that that is going to cost you ten thousand dollars in attorney's fees. It's not something that you could just walk in and do on your own. You're going to need an attorney. And the problem is, is what they found is that most people, especially if they've only got one or two guns and they're like, well, I guess, you know, this will be in place for a year and I've lost those guns. Or I could spend $10,000 getting back my $400 handgun. And, uh, you know, and, and be, most people just can't afford that. So, again, it again, uh, it it uh, disproportionately affects those people without means to be able to defend themselves. I mean, there's a lot of problems with the red flag laws. Let's just put it that way. But again, the biggest comment that came out of this for me is the is is this whole thing of this is a step in the right direction. What the actual what what? This is a step in the right direction. Is this the woman that you want representing you in the Senate? Now, I know that I'm speaking to the choir here, and the answer probably is almost universally no for most of the listeners on this program. But, I mean, is this the woman that we want out there representing Alaska and helping to make these decisions on our part? Nope. 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 Sorry. Not interested. And before you run uh, screaming and hollering to the edge of the world and say, well, but Dan Sullivan, he's going to stand up and, and do what's right. Dan Sullivan says he's already going to vote no. But this is his comment, and I'm going to read it in its entirety because it also raises a few eyebrows, right? It also raises my eyebrows right up. Dan Sullivan said, one of my top priorities as a U.S. senator has been to work with my colleagues on, vert on vitally needed solutions to address the mental health crisis, especially among young Americans, that is unfolding across our nation. Bully. Bully for you. Good idea. Great idea. 
This challenge that is clearly at the heart of the recent horrific shootings, this is where our focus should be. And this legislation represents a good start in that regard. It's, it's a good start. It's the right step. It's a good start. The authors of this legislation included provisions that I believe could help address mental health challenges. As a co-sponsor of the Stop School Violence Act enabled and enacted in 2018, I was also pleased to see significant funding included to improve school safety. Okay. All right. The mental health aspects. Okay. I'm all that. However, the right to keep and bear arms is fundamental and guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. And I have repeatedly committed to Alaskans that I will not support any legislation that infringes on that right. In that regard, I have serious concerns about the broad discretion this leaves up to federal courts and Biden administration officials as it relates to the implementation and interpretation of the bill's vaguely defined firearms restrictions and due process provisions, which include, again, Again, the closure of the boy, the boyfriend loophole of who is an intimate partner of the red flag provisions, all those kind of things are baked into that. He goes on to say, Alaska is unique. Alaskans use firearms for protection, hunting, subsistence, and recreation, and we take any infringement on our Second Amendment rights very seriously. Okay, so it ends up strong, but that first beginning is like, wow, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. What do you, I mean? I really, I like this act, except for this. It sounds like he's trying to walk a line and thread some stuff there and thread some stuff. But it's okay. It's okay. I mean, he again, he's just trying to he's just trying to walk down the middle of the road and weave in between the semis coming at him. You know, pick a side, Dan. Get out of the middle of the road. But I'll take that over Murkowski's step. <laughs> I mean, that is the the thing right there. Murkowski's step in the right direction the step in the right this is a step in the right direction oh my god woman absolutely just absolutely all right um all right i'm gonna crack the phones open because i've been i've been on this a little too long we're gonna take it we're gonna go ahead and open the phone lines i am gonna talk about the supreme court case and the decision that came out there's some good stuff in that we're gonna talk about that here in just a moment and apparently, according to Drudge, it's now up. Roe v. Wade is now over. The Supreme Court has released its uh, decision on the Roe v. Wade case. Five to four. Roe v. Wade is shut down. So that's a whole nother show some other morning here in the next week or so. But I'm just giving you the heads up that it's out right now. But we're going to talk about the other SCOTUS decision which is the New York Riceville and Pistol Association versus Bruin. That is up next, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, Brian just made a fantastic point that I hadn't even really considered. Uh, he says Murkowski just opened up her outside money spigot a little more. You're not wrong. I hadn't even thought of that. You know, now she's shown her anti-gun bona fides to people out there, uh, to people out there on that side. 
she's going to open up that outside money spigot because she's probably a little worried about what Kelly Shabaka's got to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. Interesting. Jeannie says, maybe people will behave more appropriately knowing their gun rights are in jeopardy. Oh, wait, no, there's still alcohol. I, you know, look, um, and you said something else. To, to law enforcement officials, red flag laws aren't all bad. Yes, they have to deprive you of your Second Amendment rights, but they don't likely have to call the coroner. As it stands, removing the offender from the home, in my professional opinion, has ex- been extremely effective. Taking guns away deserves a speedy education for whatever re- restrictions a judicial officer chooses to impose makes more sense. Well, again, I, you know, I, my job is to not make law enforcement, um, law enforcement jobs easier. My job as a, as a citizen, as a, uh, you know, as a person who believes in the constitution is to protect the constitutional rights of all people, even if it makes law enforcement's job harder. I mean, it was, uh, I think it was Franklin that said something like better that 10, 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man is uh is uh you know is convicted restricted jailed whatever it was but that's the thing i mean it's about protecting the constitutional rights of others uh even if it makes law enforcement's jobs harder there are already involuntary commitment involuntary education adjudications man there's already there's already laws in the books to deal and affect with many of these things but again what law enforcement and what many of the politicians have been looking for over the years is a uh, way to make that basically just punch a button and watch it go. Instead of having to jump through all the hoops to show and to prove to judges and to uh, mental health professionals that this person needs to have psychological evaluation or needs to be involuntarily committed, which is a much higher process, a much higher bar to check, then instead they just got the easy button. Red flag. Oh, you're done. That's the thing. Um, red flag laws are way off in the distance and won't ever pass in this country. Harold, crawl out from under your rock. There are already... Uh, 18 states and the District of Columbia with red flag laws. So they are already passing in this country. Cite your sources, brother. What are you talking about? Red flag laws are already off of the thing. And the Senate bill doesn't even have a red flag law in it. You obviously haven't read what we're talking about here. The, the Senate bill is incentivizing the passage of red flag laws at the state level. It's not a federal red flag law because we've talked about how that is constitutionally problematic. They instead understand that and are saying, and they instead are saying, here's money if you pass a red flag law. That's what they're talking about. It's not a federal red flag law. It's incentivizing the passage of red flag laws on a state-by-state basis. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we got one line on hold. Uh, where are we at? Uh, we're about two minutes out. Let's get the name and uh, and location of this caller. Hello, caller. Uh, where are you calling from, and who are you? Good morning, Mike. It's Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Well, good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Why don't you uh, hold the line, sir, and I will be back to you here in a hot second, okay? Fair enough. All right. We'll put Fred back on hold. Fred from Rhode Island is out there. 
Let's hope that the House. Um, let's hope that the House attaches a mess of amendments that the Senate will hopefully reject. Uh, I mean, maybe I question mark. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, definitely interesting note: the Republicans who are up for re-election, who are supporting it or not supporting it. It uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting interesting to see. We'll uh, we'll pick we'll 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 have to figure that out. Okay. Um, Rose toast. Um, what else do you think that liberals will be mostly peaceful today? You know, I I can't even predict. That was uh, Zins on uh, on Twitch says. Do you think liberals will be mostly peaceful today? I don't know. I I hope so. But again, with what we've seen in this country on both the left and the right, the craziness that has ensued over the last, you know, 18, 24, 36 months, I I have no idea, I have no way to predict it. I know a lot of people are going to be angry. Will that anger actually spill out into actual violence? It could. I mean, we saw that with some of the riots in the various communities over the BLM stuff and everything else. We saw it on January 6th. I don't know. Will it spell out? Maybe. I have no way of predicting that. I would hope not. Let's put it that way. Here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Jumping in with Fred. All right, continuing now with Firearms Friday, we will uh, continue on here uh, and take some calls. We've got Fred calling in this morning from Rhode Island, one of our uh, one of our uh, uh, continuous callers here, one of our favorite callers to see what's going on. Hey, Fred, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, come on, Mike. You know, we, uh, the whole red flag thing, you know, in the state of Rhode Island, they passed it, I think it was a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, the red flag law in this state. And, I mean, up to now it hasn't really, you know, made what you call a, a lot of headline news. It's been kind of, you know, but then again, you know, I mean, it, it has all the potential for, you know, to be totally abused if the uh, right situation will arise, which you hope will never happen. But still, you know, the red flag situation it doesn't really give you fairness and parity, you know, on all sides and all sides being, you know, the defendant and the, the plaintiff in the particular situation if it were, if it were a court case. And, uh, and uh, if they could put that into it and guarantee that there was, you know, that there was even an even distribution of justice across the board to all parties involved, that's one thing. Now, obviously, if the evidence in implementing a red flag situation were to be applied and there was, you know, the evidence that, you know, there was, uh, you know, an abuser was, or, you know, in a domestic situation, an abuser was actually committing abuse and, that, and, it, was, and it was evident that that would happen and or any other situation like that. That's one thing. However, if you get into a he said, she said situation, like in a divorce or a uh, you know, separation or some other, some type of a domestic dispute, and spills over until they go, well, I'll get him in a revenge, in a revenge uh, application, I think that has, should have serious, you know, 180 degree consequences back on the uh, person uh, applying that. 
And that doesn't exist. That just doesn't exist. So I would suggest something like go back to the laws that are already on the books. It should go back and be revamped. And anything that would normally come out out of this, uh, you know, this legislation where they're trying to get the states to come up with their own that haven't got it yet, should also should have that in play where you have to have uh, the, uh, the party has to have the making the claim that an individual should have their guns taken away, should have some skin in the game, too. Right. So they go and they take the guns away. However, the other party should have to put up a dollar amount in the value of the property taken to the court. And then the court, there's nothing more, there's nothing more than a referee, as a court should be. You know, and they hear all sides. And if it ever turns out it was proven that the person was wrongfully accused and had his property removed, one, the property is immediately returned. Two, the party that wrongfully made a false report should have their end of it taken away, plus open them up for a, a lawsuit and and court prosecution for filing a false report in the first place. See, there isn't. It, it's a one-sided. It, 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 it's a one-sided slaughterhouse the way that's written right now in the red flag. It's it's all down on the defendant and the and the, and the plaintiff the accuser can just sit there and do anything they want. So they can you know they can lie to their chief and this and that and the other thing. Only because they're just out to make the other person totally miserable, and that's just—I mean—that—that that in its own way should have dire consequences. To give them one, a you know, something to think about before they apply that, because if it ever bounces back on them, they're going to get the, they're going to get the shot end of the stick, which is totally justified as far as I'm concerned. If it's abused, and you know, it will be abused, right? If it has in the past. Well, and and again, we've seen it, and again, the first, uh, and it was in Maryland, it was back in 2019, the first death of the man uh, whose name was Gary Willis, uh, who was shot to death as the police showed up to execute a red flag order uh, on him, brought forward by his sister-in-law, that, you know, again, they can be misused, and the way that they're handled can be misused. There are already, as I pointed out, many laws on the books in most states that can deal with people who are have mental issues. There may be a danger to themselves and others. Now, the bar is much higher for for those types of laws that are already on the books. Um, uh, you know, the the red flag law is almost like an easy button for oh, we could just push it and you lose your gun rights and you get you know you the presumption of innocence is gone. We just take it and now you got to prove that you're not guilty. Uh, you know, you're not innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty until proven innocent, and that's okay. Uh, and that's not okay. I mean, there's it's not our job to make law enforcement job law enforcement or the government's job that much easier. They're supposed to be protecting our rights, not us having to defend ourselves in every way, shape, or form on the other side. And that's the problem. If uh, you know, many states already have red flag laws. There's 18 states and the District of Columbia that already have red flag red flag laws on the books. And and again. This incentivizing the states to do it with the lure of federal money is just the wrong way to go about it. We do have a mental health crisis in this country. I'm not saying that we don't. I'm saying this is not the way to fix it at this point. No, absolutely. You know, that's not the way to fix it. Well, there are already already conditions that do exist without red flags. Have been for years. All you had to do is contact the local police department. 
or the state police department or your sheriff or wherever you happen to be and whatever whatever you know enforcement law enforcement exists in your in your area and you just you know drop a dime and say hey listen this is what's going on i think you should take a look at it. and they just come out and investigate on their own without you know enforcing what you know now we call a red flag right which is a mandatory takeaway and if they find out that there's something going on then yeah okay act do something you drop a dime you know, don't sit back, be a spectator, you know, sit there and try and do something that will actually prevent a, a tragic situation from happening, if it, if it truly is the situation and the case. However, like I say, you get into a revenge act, like he said, she said, boy, I'll tell you, that, that, that's, that's <laughs> talk about room for abuse, <laughs> and there's miles of abuse right there, yeah. and that, that should never, never, never go unchallenged, you know. I mean, yeah. you, you look at red flags. As it could be just a, ref- a referee, a, a referee situation. Nobody's being accused of anything. This is strictly a precautionary measure. We're not taking your firearms. We're going to hold your firearms. You know, right? They're still yours, but we're temporarily just going to put a, you know, hit, hit the hold button for a minute and let's sit there and sort through the sort, sort through the muck and find out what the facts are. And you know, then then you can proceed. That's a whole different game. There's well, due process. I, look, and I, I would also I would, I would I would also suggest that the court. If they want to sit there and apply like uh, a court fees and attorney fees, you know what? It's a state's responsibility to provide justice, all right? It's right. their idea. It's their red flag law. Okay, you know what? Cough it up. Get out your checkbook, and you're going to pay for that. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna cover well, the defendant's cost in this because he's not really guilty of anything until proven otherwise. Yeah, let me let me dis- let me disagree with you, Fred, here because I'm not one for oh, come take my guns and you hold on to them until you the investigation's complete. No, again, that completely turns the whole idea of innocent until proven guilty on its head. You have the investigation. And then you decide if there's enough proof. If there's enough proof and I can defend myself on it and everything else, then you can take them. It should not be, oh, we're going to just take all these while we decide whether or not you're innocent or guilty. That's not how That's not how innocent until proven guilty works. That's uh, that's that's the problem right there. Uh, final thoughts, Fred. i got to let you go. Okay. Uh, that's basically it. You know, I think I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I guess you could hang on to them in some you know, some otherwise proven. Yeah. It's just that it's really, you know, it, it it has to be equity on all sides and all sides meet everyone involved. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, Fred, thank you for your call and signing off this morning on this and other uh, stuff. Uh, I want to get into the SCOTUS decision, but I've only got about two minutes here left. Uh, so we got time for at least one more phone call, if you'd like, uh, before we run out of uh, before we run out of uh, daylight for this hour and we jump into the next hour. Brian says they did that. What Fred was just talking about that they did that with the local PD for my dad. The crisis passed. No record for my dad, and they returned the pistol. I mean, if it's a friendly kind of you know family or people intervening, that's one thing. But to show up and say basically. We're taking all your guns, and uh, we'll decide later on whether to give them back to you or not after we've completed our investigation. Again, I would, I would have to fight that. I would have to fight that because that's that's not innocent until proven guilty. That's we've decided you're guilty, and we're going to take these all away because you know Minority Report kind of uh, the Department of Free Crime. You could potentially commit a crime with these, so we're going to again. That, that throws the whole idea of – that's the whole Trump thing of uh, we'll take all the guns and we'll worry about due process later. What? You'll take all the guns and worry about due process later? That doesn't sound very 
constitutional or freedom-oriented. Really? Anybody who says that is definitely not a stalwart defender of truth, justice, and the American way. I'm just going to throw that out there for nothing. Anybody who says that, including President Trump. All right. Um, we're going to come up into the next hour. We will delineate and break down the SCOTUS decision that is coming up next. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Timothy says, do your rights have a dollar value? No, they don't. No, they definitely don't have a dollar value. And I don't know if, Timothy, if you were trying to make a comment when I was saying it costs tens of thousands of dollars to defend your rights. Um, you know, they, look, I I understand that, you know, on principle, everybody, if you get a, if you got a, a red flag protection order, you know, against you and they come and you've got, you know, a couple guns, a couple pistols or a rifle and a pistol or whatever, and they take them away from you. And yes, you're right. On principle, you should fight back against that. But there's also the practical aspects. If it's going to cost me $10,000 for an attorney and they've only taken two guns that are worth, you know, less than a thousand bucks and I've got to decide whether to, you know, heat or eat, if I've got to feed my family and everything else, that $10,000 is a huge, huge amount of money and they're only going to take my gun rights away for a year and I won't ever get those guns back. I mean, there's a lot of balancing the scales going on there. Should I or shouldn't I? And I guarantee you in the majority of the cases, the part of just go quietly into the night is usually the more attractive of the two because they don't have $10,000 laying around to defend their gun rights to get back their $800 worth of firearms. You know what I mean? This is, I mean, this whole thing is a, this, this whole thing is a mental health problem. That, that's, I mean, really the bottom line, that is the majority of this has to do with the mental health of Americans. And all you have to do is turn on the news and see that the mental health of Americans is not great. And I'm not just talking about the crazy people shooting up the supermarkets. I'm talking about the people who are so vehemently vitriolic against each other on the right and on the left. Who somebody doesn't agree with you and you're a filthy, stinking, commie tree hugger. Or you're a filthy, stinking, fascist Republican, white supremacist Republican. It doesn't matter. It's on both sides. If you don't think that we have a problem right now in America, you aren't paying attention. Because we can't agree. To, I mean, here's the thing. If you disagree with me, I respect that. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that I, you know, I respect you as a person. We can disagree. I could think that maybe you're a little off base. Maybe even you're a little nutty, but I don't think that, I don't hate you. I don't think that you're the enemy. I don't think you're the person that needs to be destroyed. That you're the enemy and you got to, oh. But that's the reaction from many people on both sides of the spectrum right now. That if you don't agree with me, you're evil. Evil needing to be destroyed. I mean, maybe they don't articulate it quite that way, but boy, they sure act that way. 
I mean, they sure act that way. Dang. Crease. Crease. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Jeffrey Cook says, I have never been so excited to vote anyone out as much as I am ready to vote against Murkowski. She clearly voted against any due process. Go, Kelly, go. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree. I agree. Uh, is Murkowski, but again, it's a tough uphill battle, man. Everybody and their mother in the moderate to liberal camp is going to be excited about Murkowski because she's going to do what they want them to do. I mean, just, it's going to do it again. I mean, we got to get out there and vote for Kelly at this point. I think it's the only choice in the whole in the whole scheme of things. But we'll see how it shakes out. I am going to be very, very interested to see what the um, what it looks like after the primary in August. We'll have a little better idea after uh, uh, after the uh, after the primary in August. What's going on? Ac- alcohol should be an aggravator in all crimes, says uh, Jeannie. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess any mood stabilizing substance should be an aggravator in all crimes at that point. Uh, did you see Brandon showing his cheat sheet? I didn't know. I have no idea what you're talking about, Steve. Um, and Harold coming on to Firearms Friday and telling us we shouldn't be talking about firearms. We should be talking about something else. Why are you here, Harold? I don't understand. You know we're going to talk about firearms today. We're not going to talk about the economy. But you got to come in and weigh in because that's how you are. Got to do it. Got to do it and tell you how you're all wrong. I got it all figured out. Okay. All right. Welcome. Welcome to coming on in and figuring it all out. Um, I missed this comment earlier. Nolan Richardson on Twitch. I'm a pre-op trans woman and I still want the authority to create a life and end it. I don't know exactly what that was in response to. Um, was it in the fact that I mentioned that Roe v. Wade had been decided today? I don't know. You want the authority to create life and to end it. Well, I believe that as a person, you don't need authority to create life. You just need consent of another person. So that's first and foremost. Uh, you want the authority to end life. I, I'm really not on board with the authority to end life. Sorry, I'm just, you know, I don't think that that's right. But I, again, I don't know what the comment was about. It's it's out of context. This was, you know, probably 10 minutes ago. I was just scrolling backwards here and seeing what's going on. Speaking of callers, have not heard from Jeff in a while. Anyone in Homer heard from Jeff? Welfare check for Jeff? We haven't heard from We heard from Jeff last week. No. Yeah, week before last. Huh. It's a, it's a, I didn't. I hadn't thought about it. You're right. You're right. Um, especially a life that has no voice, says Jeannie. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, again, I don't know why you would ask for authority to create a life. What, you got to go beg the government's permission to, Mommy, Mommy, can I have a cookie? Screw you. That's my right. I mean, this you have no business in any of it. Again, it's the whole thing. But the, the, the authority to end a life, that was, yeah, that was... That was weird, my friends. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Luke Show.
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. It's my rifle, it's my gun, it's for the Firearms Friday. Oh, yeah. Firearms Friday, our favorite day of the week. It is the Michael Duke Show. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and being part of it. Yeah, buddy. I'm telling you what, it is our favorite day of the week. It's uh, my weekly therapy session where I get a chance to sit on the couch and just kind of stream of consciousness to you what I'm thinking about when it comes to the Second Amendment and all things 2A related. Okay, my friends, uh, what else, uh, what, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we just finished up talking about the Senate bill, Lisa Murkowski's part in the passage of that bill and her thoughts on it and, uh, and commentary, including the additional you know, threat of more red flag laws and, and everything else. It is, uh, it's a, you know, it, it was an interesting discussion. If you missed it, you can always go back and listen to it on the podcast. Uh, in hour two, we're going to dive into the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court decision on the New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And that is the new case in New York City where the court handed down a landmark decision in a six to three vote to declare that New York's uh, pro, uh, the the uh, the the province or the 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 requirement that New York that somebody show just cause or proper cause to be able to get a concealed handgun permit is unconstitutional, which is a again just kind of a cra- I mean it is a, a landmark case for sure, but it's not without some warning signs from a couple members of the court on what they may feel in the future, and that includes Brett Kavanaugh. And uh, Justice uh, Clarence, uh, excuse me, no, Justice uh, John Roberts, as well. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about that here this morning. Uh, we're going to oh, phone lines are open if you want to sound off and uh, talk about things. I guess I should uh, throw that phone line uh, phone line out there again. 907-433-3150. The Satellite West call-in line powered by our friends at Satellite West. If you haven't had a chance to go over there and check it out, uh, you might want to do so, and you could give us a call. You can also drop us an email. You could just put question or comment or whatever at 907 433 or on my email at me at michaeldukeshow.com. M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. Uh, so come on board and uh, and 
either way, however you want to do it, however you want to play it, we'd love to hear what you have to uh, have to say on these things. We're going to finish up the show this morning with Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, who will give us the weekend entertainment report. And it's kind of the lighter side. I mean, that's the... That's the lighter side to Firearms Friday because we can't all be all burnt up and excited and 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 then you know go into the weekend that way. We need to kind of calm down a little bit and just relax and everything else. From the chat room, Jeffrey asks, "Are you tracking the Lake City ammunition and the ultimatum the administration has given them in regards to civilian ammo sales?" And the answer to that is, Jeffrey, I've been following it, I've been watching it. We haven't really talked much about it. I've been kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. But um, I think at this point we will probably – we may not get to that today. We'll probably get to it next week. But for those of you who don't know, Lake City uh, Ordinance, uh, which is being run by Remington, received an ultimatum from the Biden administration that they will no longer sell 5.56 to the civilian markets. They have been selling the overages in production. Uh, they make the they make the ammo for the military, and they have been selling the overage in production for years – to the general population, it is estimated that uh, Lake City produces about 30 percent of the ammunition in civilian circles for the 5.56 NATO 5.56 rifle, the Air 15 rifle. And the Biden administration is now basically coming down and saying, no, no for you. No, no for you. Um, and if so, that's going to put another big bite on the already tight ammunition situation in America. And there's big questions as to whether or not they are pushing to come after ammo um, to come after ammo next. That's the big uh, that's the big thing. Andy uh, Andy Biggs, uh, who spoke with Breitbart, the representative uh, uh, from Arizona, spoke with Breitbart and said that the current push for gun control in the House is warning uh, us as gun owners to see these uh, folks go after the ammunition and the ammunition uh, the ammunition ma- manufacturers. Um, he said that a number of gun control bills have been passed by the democratically controlled House, and even though those controls have not been passed in the Senate, he believes that the House will pass even more. We saw this under the under the Obama administration when Hillary Clinton was uh, was the Secretary of State. There was a whole push by OSHA to change uh, the regulations around the manufacturing process, which would have quadrupled the cost of manufacturing bullets and uh, and cartridges. And uh, it and that thankfully went away. We've seen the closure of many of the lead plants uh, in America, including the Herculeum lead plant, which is one of the biggest ones out there. And so, yeah, the 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 easiest thing to do is to quietly go after ammunition manufacturing, because let's face it, without ammo, it's a glorified club, right? And so this is this is a problem that we've been facing now for. Well, for the last 10, 12 years, really, quite honestly, 10 to 12 years, this ammunition shortage has been here in one form or another. It's one of the reasons why many of us don't spend much time at the range. I mean, I, I've done some range days in the last five years, but I can count them on one hand. I mean, one hand in probably the next the last eight years, probably on one hand, uh, because I can go shoot the ammo, but can I replace it or can I afford to replace it? And that's going to be the big question as it comes on here. Um, it's uh, it's it's crazy stuff. All right. Um, I want to get into the Supreme Court case, but I've got one line on hold. So let's go over here for gun Q&A and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning, Mike. This is Mike from Fairbanks. Hey, Mike. What's on your mind? 
Oh, I'm ecstatic on one hand and very mad on the other. It looks like maybe we should take this ammo situation again to the Supreme Court because they're uh, they're batting a thousand right now. They've just stopped federally funded uh, abortion. Roe Ro versus Wade was just overturned. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic, Mike, what they're doing. And maybe we should just take this to the Supreme Court about the ammo. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what kind of, I don't know how you would run that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that now would be a good time. And in fact, there are already... Um, there are already several other cases that are up in front of the Supreme Court right now. Uh, they've been holding several other 2A-related cases, including two cases dealing with magazine bans in New Jersey and in California, as well as a challenge to the uh, to Maryland's ban on AR-15s and other semi-autos. So, I mean, they could take those gun laws up, or they could just apply this new this new uh, uh, this new ruling, the Buren ruling, and basically tell the lower courts that they have to abide by it. I don't know. It would be interesting to see, Mike. But yeah, again, taking away the right uh, or taking away the ability for uh, companies to manufacture or to sell their it's going to be that's a tough situation. The problem is is that Lake City is a federal facility managed and run by a private contractor. Remington is a private contractor. Um, and so they have a little more leeway in Lake City because it's Lake City Armory is who it is. It's a federal armory run by Remington. So they have a little bit more say in that. But I would also think that yeah. that would mean that uh -huh. somebody like Remington may want to start talking about building more facilities or ramping them up. I mean, there's obviously a demand. Wasn't, uh, Mike, wasn't Remington bought by another company, uh, Ruger or something? Uh, Remington was bought by another conglomerate. There's only, there's really many of the gun companies have been purchased by some of these bigger conglomerate clearinghouses. Uh, Remington is owned by, I've forgotten the name of the thing, but Remington, I mean, they, they own, you know, Remington and a half a dozen other big names in both manufacturing yeah. of actual firearms and accessories and ammo. Um, the Freedom Group is another one that owns them. I think maybe the Freedom Group is the one that owns Remington. But there's there's only really a couple of big players in the market there, where it's a you know it's a big you know overarching corporation that owns a handful of businesses in the firearms world. Man, five five six. It sounds like it's going to be uh, gold gold there, Mike. Uh, no. if, now, if we could just get Lisa Murkowski to 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 come around, I, I don't understand her. I well, I'm, I'm convinced she's a closet Democrat, but I, I'm really disgusted with her, Mike. Yeah, no, I mean, if you think 556 is going to become gold, it already was gold. I mean, I was already seeing last summer down on the peninsula, I went by a gun store, $1.25 a round for two for 556. $1.25 a round. Oh, holy cow. Um, you know, I mean, so if you think it's if you think it was bad then, you wait to see what it was now. Uh, you know, when 1,000 rounds cost you $1,000 or more, that's a real problem, uh, but yeah, it's it's going to continue to be, Mike. So, all right, well, right, okay, Mike, I'll let you go. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Let's go over here and take uh, another phone call. I got to get to this Skoda stuff, but we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning, this is Bonnie in North Pole. Hello, Bonnie in North Pole. What's on your mind, dear? <laughs> well, I always have to laugh about the whole gun control uh, thing because. All the people that live there in Washington, D.C., Miss Murkowski, she's guarded by a gun. 
all the ones that flip-flop and talk about guns, blah, 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 they're guarded by guns. So I guess they're not going to be able to be guarded by guns. There won't be any ammo to guard their special things. You know, they're just ridiculous. Well, Um, again, that's the problem, Bonnie, is that they are the ones, they're going to have guns, they'll have ammo, because they're the government, they'll have ammo. It'll be all us little people that won't have anything, because, you know, we're the little people. Well, as my husband and I were discussing, uh, I guess I've never done it before, but he knows how, he can go right into, I don't know, a hardware store and build a gun. But then you have, and then actually you can build your own bullets, so we have to go back to the old tiny way. Yeah, I mean, you can roll you can roll your own if you need to, but the question is now, can you get components to do so? That's the big question as well. But you're right, Bonnie. I mean, we're going to have to learn to be a little bit more self-reliant, I think, in the future for sure. Bonnie, thank you for your call. Um, all right, look, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to break just a little bit early here because I want to set us up for coming in and talking about the SCOTUS case. That's coming up next. The Michael Duke Show continues. Dang, this really is the fastest two hours in radio, isn't it? We'll be back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. The Supreme Court decision in New York versus Buren up next. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay. Uh, Okay. All right. All right. Fine. It's all good. It's what is going on. Um, All right. You guys ready to... Wow, I just minimized everything absolutely everything on my screen didn't mean to do that all right let me get this going i <laughs> i literally accidentally hit the button and minimized everything on my screen it was nothing but desktop nothing but desktop all the time all right there we go boom back to where we were uh voting for kelly t says herder yeah absolutely uh again special thanks to herder and to paul and to jen for uh, supporting the program uh, in a special way by becoming members of the Common Sense Corps. The Common Sense Corps. It's a way to pledge to the show. It's a way to support the show. For as little as three bucks a month, you can get access to the private Facebook page, to some extra cool things. Um, I uh, am doing a, 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 you know, I've got some coffee and I've got coffee mugs and I'm getting some t-shirts put together and everything else for the show uh, for Common Sense Core members and others and uh, it's just a it's a great way if you like the show you enjoy the show you want to find a way to help us out go to patreon.com slash Michael Duke show um, and you can uh, you can help set you could become a member of the Common Sense Core it's the cool kids club right it's the it's the you know it's the support group. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we got all kinds of people in there. Excuse me, Rob and and Brian and, and uh, Timothy and a bunch of folks in there. And uh, and the question is, do I get a herder says, do I get a mug? Well, I don't know. What level did you join at, herder? Did you see? You can look at all the different levels. Each of the levels give you a different – each of the levels give you a different uh, um, uh, uh, a prize swag, right? Let me uh, let me tell you what you get. Let me tell you, I got to go back to the tears because I can never remember. Um, I could never. Maybe later. Come on, 
Oh, my God, the pop-ups. You're killing me. Um, Let me go over to the uh, – no, I want to see the – goodness gracious. Michael Dukes showed – okay, sorry. I had to go to the the main page so that I can – Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Um, looks like I broke something. Oh, it's because I didn't put two S's in there. <laughs> Don't be me. Make sure you put Michael Dukes and then show for two S's in there. Don't be like me. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing when I can't get my own thing to work properly, right? Um... Let me let me go let me go over here. Let me go over here and take a look at the page. Oh, oh, I want to see the page edit tiers. Uh, all right, there we go. Um, all the tiers that are on the Common Sense Core Facebook page. I, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, if you're just a listener, you get my undying gratitude, and that's only three bucks a month. If you are a patron at five bucks a month, you get Patreon only polls and early access to blog posts, which is I've done a few blog posts and I've done some polls, but no, it is. Uh, if you're a softcore, you get uh, uh, monthly, you get Ask Me Anything and access to the private Facebook group. If you're the hardcore, 25 bucks a month, you get your name on the website as a supporter, priority chat responses on air, and a bag of delicious beard curler coffee. Beard curler coffee. If you're a corpsman, that's a group lunch with me. I will have lunch with everybody that spends 75 bucks a month once a year. And uh, we'll do other things as well. Uh, you could also be a co-producer. That's like a private dinner with my wife and I at a swanky restaurant or a dive bar, depending on what your preference is. Uh, and then a commandant is uh, even more. That's like fanboy level. That's like That's like big money. But anyway, you can go check out those tiers over there at patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. All right, enough of the self-indulgent talk. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Common Sense Liberty Base Free Thinking Radio. All right, uh, so let's dive into this. What did SCOTUS decide? What did the Supreme Court confirm in a landmark Second Amendment ruling, a 6-3 ruling? They ruled that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home. Now, remember, in Heller, the Supreme Court said that the Second Amendment secures the right to possess a handgun inside the home. In McDonald. They said that that right was applied against state and local governments as well. And today, in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, the right was recognized to extend outside the home. This whole case was was basically centered around the New York State law requiring anyone who wanted to get a concealed carry permit 
does first have to go hat in hand to local officials and police and show that he had proper cause to do so. And no, wanting to defend yourself because you lived in a high crime area or because you were a business owner who carried a val- you know, valuable cash payroll for deposits every day. None of that. That would none of that was proper cause. It was literally who you know and when you know. And in fact, they did just recently. They scoped out and found that there was a pay-for-play thing going on with one of the uh, New York um, uh, licensure bureaus where they were basically, if you wanted a license, you just drop ten grand in somebody's hand and they give you a license. They forget about proper cause. Justice Clarence Thomas wrote the majority opinion piece. And he said, in 43 states, the government issues licenses to carry based on objective criteria. But in six states, including New York, the government further uh, conditions issuance of a license to carry of a citizen showing some kind of special need. Because of the state of New York issues public carry licenses only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defense. He said, we conclude that the state's licensing regime violates the Constitution. And what I really love is he uses the substitution game, which I do quite frequently when talking about the Second Amendment, where you substitute another right for the Second Amendment and see if it passes the smell test. Uh, I guess we'll get into that here in just a second, but uh, I got a surprise phone call here from Representative Sarah Vance. Sarah Vance, what? why are you calling me on Friday on the air? What's going on? Hi, friends. I I just wanted to to, to be with all of my friends to celebrate a historical day, a historical week, actually, because I I think that we're finally seeing um, the decisions from uh, the U.S. Supreme Court that we've been waiting for for a very, very long time. We have uh, this with the Second Amendment that finally they recognize what Alaskans have recognized of our natural right to defend ourselves uh, and, and to be able to open carry. And then today, of course, with the decision to overturn Roe, that um, there is no constitutional right to abortion. And I want to be celebrating with all of you right now because um, you're my friends. And uh, this is this is a historic week and day that we will remember for the rest of our lives. No, I mean, again, landmark, when they use the word landmark in describing the Buren case, and of course, landmark in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I think I couldn't agree more. It's a it's a good day to protect the unborn and a good day to protect the rights of Americans and giving them, well, not giving them, but reestablishing the fact that they have an inherent inalienable right that is not dependent on government uh, uh, you know, com- compliance or government uh, permission to be able to exercise those rights. Absolutely. And the thing that we need to remember, both of de- these decisions are prioritizing life. It is the right to life and the right to defend life. And uh, th- this authority is returned to the states as our constitution designed. And so we still have a lot of work to do in Alaska, but today is a day of celebration. And, uh, you know, we're we're clearly um, in a time of celebration, um, but I just, you know, just want to highlight to people that this is going to be a highly emotional time and to keep that perspective that today is a day of victory. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I am excited uh, for today. I'm excited about about as excited as I can be. This has been a good week overall. I mean, sans the senate bill uh, other than that it's been a good uh, it's definitely been a good week for uh, freedom loving americans 
Well, I look forward to uh, seeing all my friends again, hopefully at the range soon. <laughs> um, yeah, I I um, got a new 10 mil that I've only shot a couple of times. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I got a, a Springfield 1911, and it is a dream. It's yeah, my dad's jealous. You better, so you think, better, you better take out a small loan and buy some ammo now because uh, it's probably going to get tougher as we go through. That's for sure. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I I have my dad. He likes to reload, so I kind of I'm kind of connected. If well, I keep feeding you, him, you know, bacon cookies, then I'm okay. Well, there you go. Just make sure that he can get the components as well. That's the other problem is components are getting kind of scarce. So better stock up while supplies last is what I'm saying. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah Vance, thanks for coming in this morning. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Um, all right. Uh, Sarah Vance sounding off on it this morning here on uh, both the cases that are out there. So good news, definitely, for both of us. Uh, let's finish up here. i got about uh, seven, eight minutes before we got to go to break. So let's, uh, let's uh, kind of dive down further into this. Again, as I mentioned, Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas, used what I like to call the substitution game, where he basically says, here's what you want to do to the Second Amendment. Let's substitute another amendment in there, another fundamental right, and see if it holds or passes the smell test. At the heart of the case in question, uh, in this whole New York case, was whether or not putting the decision-making process in the hands of local licensing officials, having to justify to them if you have a real reason to own or carry a firearm, they had to ask, was that consistent on how constitutional rights uh, are typically treated in America? New York's uh, licensing scheme failed the test miserably. According to Thomas, he said, we know of no other constitutional rights that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officials some special need. He said, that's not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or free exercise of religion. It's not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront witnesses against him. And it's not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense. Now, before everybody says this is a complete and total right-wing scheme to yada, 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 one of the most one of the most interesting plaintiffs in this case, uh, the advocates who were filing on in amicus briefs and everything else, was a coalition of public defense lawyers, an organization including the Black Attorneys of Legal Aid, the Bronx Defenders, and the Brooklyn Defender Services. These three groups told the court in an amicus brief, each year, we represent hundreds of indigent people from New York who are criminally charged for exercising their right to keep and bear arms. For our clients, New York's licensing requirements renders the Second Amendment a legal fiction. And according to the groups, New York's approach has had a brutal consequence for their clients who have been stopped, questioned, and frisked, removed forcibly from their homes, locked up in dirty and violent jails and prisons, and, and deprived of their jobs, children, livelihood, and ability to live in this country, all because our clients exercised a constitutional right. This wasn't just about rich white Republicans who are doing it. This was about indigent people in the small rural or excuse me, in the small urban areas who are probably in high crime areas wanting to defend themselves, wanting to be able to protect their families and continually persecuted by the machine in New York for not having proper cause or have asked or licked the king's boot or wrist to be able to get permission to exercise a Second Amendment right. <laughs> Good stuff. But before you go too far, 
before you go too far and think this is a win it's all great. Yeah, uh, Justice <clears throat> Brent Kavanaugh went ahead and wrote a concurring opinion, but with a little bit of a separate slight take on this. He and Justice Roberts both wrote uh, for the opinion, and uh, they but they had a uh, they had a, a a a second a second piece. They also wrote separately, and they wanted to underscore two important points about the limits of the court's decision. Kavanaugh, of course, first he he reiterated the constitutional problem with the licensing scheme in New York. Uh, uh, he he said, uh, you know, by by the end of this, he said, it, you know, today's decision did not touch any of these forty three states that have shall issue regimes. His second point was to draw straight from Heller language and quote uh, and and quote some of the language that invoked Antonin Scalia, right? He said, properly interpreted, the Second Amendment allows for a variety of gun regulations. So it's not that the justices are against some kind of gun laws per se, I guess, but that it, it you know, again, it's that caveat that people keep going back to. Well, Scalia said that it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be gun regulations. Yeah. I th- wait, I thought Kavanaugh was a right winger, says Brian. Isn't that what we were told? He was going to be a hardcore. He was just going to rubber stamp everything. Nope. That's not what he said. Not what he said. Um, he said, and talking about that, he said, 43 states employ objective shall issue licensing. Those shall issue regimes may require a licensed applicant to undergo fingerprinting, a background check, a mental health records check, training in firearms and laws regarding the use of force, among other possible requirements. Those are all justifiable in their minds. So I guess it depends on how much permission you have to ask of the government to exercise that right. Again, I would love to see the substitution game placed on any of those things. You know, play, you know so if before you got up into the public square to say something, before you could give a speech, before you could write an op-ed piece, you had to go and underground go, go undergo fingerprinting, a background check, mental health records review. Possibly you had to get some speech training, maybe some grammar training, uh, you know, some spelling training to be able to use. Maybe you should you know, see what I'm saying. All of those are still an infringement, people. All of those are still an infringement. If you have to beg the government's permission to do those things, is it really a right? So this is a this is a win. I'm not I'm not I'm not soft selling that it's not a win. It is a win for sure. But it is not the magic bullet, pardon the pun, that many in the gun community seem to think it is as they dance from the rooftops and everything else. Everything else that we just talked about, that's still an infringement. If you have to undergo fingerprinting, background checking, mental health, you have to get special training, you have to do all those things to then get the government's permission to exercise a right. Is it truly a right? Again, just substitute anything else. If it pleases the crown, I would like to have a firearm. Well, you must do all these. But is it not my rights? But I say it is. Okay. Yeah, that stuff right there. The Michael Duke Show, we got more coming up. Changing gears, Willie Waffle up next, right here. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
Oh, yeah, it's a tough thing. And Daniel makes a fantastic uh, a point that all of those things, and we've talked about this many times uh, with Dr. Lott and others, it disproportionately affects those in the lowest income brackets because they all it creates a financial wall that some cannot climb. You know, I mean, what's it cost to get fingerprinted? What's it cost to undergo a background? Is there a charge? What's it cost to have firearms training? What's it cost to do all these things? If all you want to do is protect your family and own a $300 pistol, all you have to do is come up with the $300. Unless, of course, you got to get fingerprinted at another 70 bucks. You got to have maybe pay for some kind of background check. That may be another 100 bucks. Plus, you got to go do some kind of training. That's at least 100 to 150, maybe 200 bucks. I mean, all of a sudden, you're now talking about having to spend twice or three times the amount that it costs you for the firearm just to be able to be allowed to buy the firearm. Can I link the friend of the core brief? Uh, let's see if I have an act. Yep, I have it right here. Uh, copy, <clears throat> paste. There you go. Brian, there it is. There's your friend of the court brief right there. That is, uh, that's the one from the Bronx Defenders. Uh, but you can go and look at all those documents are up. Uh, who's got the, uh, uh, who's got the link? I think it's the Supreme Court. Uh, and here's the link. Here is the link to the, uh, <clears throat> the actual decision and the, uh, uh official decision from Thomas. Uh, I was looking for the. I uh, was looking for the um, list of documents. Anyway, I, I did. I'll do my. There's my best. In New York, a minimum of a hundred dollars for fingerprints, but if you pay more, you might get it three months faster. Wow. Again, that's what I'm saying. I mean, your gun training, a couple hundred bucks. You know, fingerprints, a hundred bucks. Your background check, maybe it's included, maybe it's not. That could be up to a hundred bucks. I mean, all of a sudden, you're four or five or six hundred bucks into this thing, and you haven't even paid for the pistol yet. And all I wanted was a pistol to be able to defend my family because I live in a high crime neighborhood in some urban area. Now, what am I going to do? Well, I'll buy the pistol in the black market and hope that nobody catches me. I mean, they're literally, and this is what the Bronx defenders and those other ones were talking about indigent families who just want to be able to exercise their rights to protect themselves and others. Being disproportionately, I mean, you know, again, apply that same thing to the First Amendment. Well, before you write on Facebook, we've got to fingerprint you. We've got to make sure that your mental health is okay. We're going to have to give you training in, you know, writing skills and make sure your grammar and punctuation are right. And after we've done all that, then you will be allowed to write on Facebook. Yeah, that's the rule of three, but it's the wrong rule of three, Brian. You shouldn't have to spend three times the amount of the firearm just to be able to get the firearm. The rule of three is supposed to apply to people who have already got the firearm and now could go forth armed in a, you know, in a pragmatic, responsible way. Don't get too excited. Just realize you're inside an echo chamber. Alaska still has elective abortions. The Alaska Supreme Court is it? Man, Harold just doesn't get it, does he? New York is a joke, says Daniel. That's why I'm here. <laughs> How many friends of the king get issued firearms or the Duke or the Baron, et cetera, says Gibbs? And that's exactly right. I mean, again, it was the elite. I mean, Donald Trump got a concealed carry permit. How did he do it? He's surrounded by security. Why did he need it? He must have given a good reason. And we see the wealthy and the elite being able to do it. Like I said, they just busted in the last... 
gosh, in the last six months, they busted one of the license bureau officers for the for the for the, the the department that issues licenses that there was a pay for play scheme going on. That if you paid them ten thousand dollars, they would. It was like an expedited. Here's your free. Here's your free gun control. Here's your free uh, concealed carry permit. Here you go. You pay me ten thousand bucks and wink, wink, nod, nod. You're done. It happened all the time. I mean, again, we're just gonna, you know, oh, if it pleases the king, I would like to exercise my rights. And yeah. I just, uh, blah. so frustrating, so frustrating, but that's exactly what this whole thing was about. Again, going through all these issues, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, don't think that these guys in the Supremes are a hundred percent friendly to your cause folks. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Don't think that they are a hundred percent sympathetic to the cause of firearms or freedom or, or anything else. They, I mean, this again, Kavanaugh and Roberts have just blatantly saying right here uh, that all these other all these other restrictions, they're just fine. They're just fine. Although I would think that now, based on this, that some of the states that have some of these more restrictive and more costly prohibitions may be able to go back to the courts and say, under this new ruling, these are also impediments. Since Thomas specifically talked about it in that regard. <laughs> Oh, dang. Okay. All right. Looking at my phone. Is it ringing? Um, Oh, it's ringing now. Okay. Willie is on time. You guys ready to get this thing done? Uh, Let's get things uh, going on. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. weekend oh it's gonna be a scorcher i mean we'll be lucky if if i don't get some rain we may just burn the whole world down this weekend it's so crazy out there but that's okay we're gonna relax with a little bit of uh entertainment action from willie waffle wafflemovies.com who joins us right now hello my friend Oh, it's always action when you're talking about Hollywood, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's good action. It's bad action. It's action that'll make you angry. It's action that might thrill you, but there's always action. Some kind of action going on, that's for sure. All right, well, let's hit some of the big news. Um, let's hit some of the big news on uh, on the inter- of the entertainment world. Uh, do we have? Do we start with your whole Jeopardy thing? I mean, I know you got a fetish for Jeopardy, so oh, uh, oh, can we start with Jeopardy? Can we start right, with Jeopardy? Go ahead, okay. go ahead. I mean, so. The big controversy has been, what's really going to happen with host? Ken Jennings mysteriously said, I'm taking a few months off. Mayim Bialik, who's supposed to be hosting all the primetime episodes of Jeopardy, has not been announced as the host for the new fall ABC Celebrity Jeopardy series that's going to be on Sunday nights. And everybody went, what does that mean? And then... Someone spoke up. Someone dropped a hint. See, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different fan bases and I fan so. like you know Twitters and, and and websites and stuff. And and one of the big ones said, "Isn't it weird that you know when they first announced Celebrity Jeopardy, the hosts would not commit to Bialik, but they're not the host, but the producers would not commit to Bialik, but they're like you know I mean you know who who else would it be? Right. Well, responding on Twitter." 
one Buzzy Cohen said, or actually posted the Yoda meme where Yoda says, no, there is another. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Buzzy Cohen is, I think this is his sign. He is going to be hosting <laughs> Celebrity Jeopardy. And I'm telling you right now, that's the best thing that can happen to Jeopardy. There were a lot of people who did a good job when they were guest hosting. He guest hosted this, the Tournament of Champions and rocked the house. I mean, like, when he was hosting, I thought, this guy could really do it. Like, I think he's better than Ken Jennings. I think he's better than Mayim Bialik. I think he's the guy. I think they should do it. I think he's got the job. He even kind of said later on in the week, you know, I, I was meeting with some of the crew from a yet unnamed project that I'm on, and everybody's like, dude, he's totally doing Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> you know what I find most disturbing about this story is that there's a whole subculture that focuses on Jeopardy. They've got, they got Reddits and, and Instagrams and Twitters, and it, <laughs> that's what's really disturbing to me. All right. Oh, well, yeah. You I, know, well, you know what would make it worse for you? Yeah. Well, here's what's going to make it worse for you, okay? If there's a mistake on Jeopardy, they get all flipped out. Uh, like the other night, there was a misspelling in Final Jeopardy. Somebody included an extra L in a word, and everybody lost their everything, man. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. Well, good for you. I don't even know who Buzz Co- Buzzy Cohen is, but that's okay. It's it's fine. Uh, He's the future host of Celebrity Jeopardy. Well, see, there you go. There, there we know. Um, let's see. Uh, more comedians back in the news. David Chappelle doing some good things. Uh, but then he decided to remove his name from something. What's going on here? This is an awesome story. I, I think it's fantastic. So Dave Chappelle has has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for his high school alma mater, which is D.C.'s Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And, and you know, ha- having you know, right. I lived in D.C. for a long time. This is one of the premier high schools. Right. It's, it's like the Juilliard of high schools. You know, where where you know people who are very talented musically go and and get an amazing education. And uh, they had announced that they were going to announce their new. Uh, performing arts center after Dave Chappelle, and some of the students didn't like that because you know Dave Chappelle sometimes he he heard their yeah he heard yeah. their feelings with his comedy he, and the, yeah yep yep and uh, and so you know there had to be town halls and discussions and Dave Chappelle was so turned off by the whole thing he told the school don't name it after me I've got a better name for you. And now it will be known as the Theater for Artistic Freedom and Expression. Oh, oh, (laughs) hashtag savage. Oh, man. (laughs) And in his mind, he literally almost said word for word because they need to understand that that's important. Man, that is some yeah. sav- that is some savagery right there. I love that. I mean, he gets a win. He looks good, and maybe the kids, maybe the kids, will learn a lesson that what they need is a little more artistic freedom and expression instead of this whole woke. Everybody's got butt hurt going on. Good for David Chappelle. Good for him. I might watch the closer this weekend just to celebrate that. Uh, it is a really good stand-up special. Yeah, good. I, I might have to watch yep. that on Netflix. All right. Um, speaking of wokeness, uh, I guess uh, somebody finally decided we must be in the endemic phase of this COVID thing because now they're starting to take masks off. Yeah, you know, this was a big announcement. The uh, the the theater league, the Broadway league, announced this week that uh, starting July one. You don't have to wear a mask if you go to see a play on Broadway. And uh, this was in a lot of ways done at the behest of, of theater owners and producers who have have really honestly felt 
that that mandate was hurting ticket sales. You think? And you think? I, yeah, I, mean, you I know. think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you got to have a mask to come in here. Well, I just choose not to come in there then. Okay. I mean, you know, I've, I've done that many times in the last two years. Okay, I just won't come in there. No big deal. Uh, and yeah, hurting their ticket sales, guaranteed. So it's going to come off. No more mandatory as of July 1, right? Yeah, so, you know, basically next weekend, just in time for the summer travel season. If everybody could afford a plane ticket to travel, because, my Well, God, that's the yeah, problem. You, know, you, exactly. you can't fly there. You can't drive there. Gee. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, all right. What else we got here? Um, I want to get – we'll talk about that here, but uh, um, you know nothing. Jon Snow. It's the name of a new series. It's called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. It's a combination of Jeopardy and Game of Thrones where they cut your head off if you're wrong. No, no, no. But they've got a new series coming out, right? Yes, this is this is one of the big announcements of the week. There will be a Game of Thrones sequel focused on Jon Snow. And I'm assuming this takes place after the whole events of... Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is... I'm sorry, Jon, you're now dismissed back to the, uh, to the wall and have a nice life. And, uh, oof. Man, yeah, and and that's what I that's what really kind of got my attention because it's not going to be a prequel. We're really going to follow up what happened after after Game of Thrones ended. What was Jon Snow's life like? And Kit Harrington, you start growing that beard, buddy. You've got a job, right? Now the question is: Is George R. R. Martin writing anything, or this to the producers making stuff up at this point? Well, you know, he's going to have some play in it. Uh, you know, he, he he has announced that, yes, this is something that's been in development. HBO wants to talk to us. I have a feeling it'll show up on HBO Max probably next uh, next spring or fall, I'm thinking. Uh, but, yeah, because a lot of the Game of Thrones stuff really has to go through, through Martin stuff. Right, right. Well, because yeah. he's never going to write the book. I can tell you right now he's never, ever no. going to finish the series. <laughs> so, you know, he's got to make that bank somehow, so I guess he's going to do that. All right, final story. Uh, one of my favorite shows Yellowstone yes. we talked about the prequel they said it was going to be 1932 and I'll be honest at the time I was trying to do the math going does that math even work out I don't know if it does and maybe I was right because now it's been renamed to 1923 that's right we're shaving off about nine years there because as you know it's going to start Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren and yes I believe they will be the grown-up versions of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill the grown-up version. I honestly... Or, yeah, still living through that. it. Yeah, because that's about <laughs> that's about the right age for where they're at. I mean, you know, Tim McGraw's in his 40s, and uh, it was 1880, you know, 18... Uh, 18 1883. Yeah, 1883. Yep. So here we are, you know, 40 years later. Okay, all right, that's about right. He'd be about 70, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, eighty, and you know, Harrison Ford is almost eighty. I want to say, isn't he like seventy eight, seventy nine? I think you know, I think he's right there at eighty. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) Uh, and that's gonna pair. That's gonna premiere in. That's yes, in December on Paramount Plus. So it is like Paramount Plus's Christmas gift to the world. I gotta tell you, have you watched the whole thing yet? Have you watched all of? I, I have not. But you know, Tom Hanks was on the second episode. I can, I do know that. You're dead to me, Walter. I try. You are dead to me. I try. You give me all these things, and I go watch them and then tell you how good they are, how bad they are. And then I give you something, and you're like, yeah, I watched like, you know, 12% of it, and that was enough for me. And I'm just like, okay. You're dead to me. All right, let's <laughs> let's let's move on to the uh, to the theaters and the streams. We got about yeah. uh, we got about four minutes here. So what what do you want to do? Let you, we can rush through or whatever you need to do here. You know, let let's uh, let's let's get one out of the way right up front. The new Netflix series Snowflake Mountain, right? And and 
in, in when I'm reading this uh, the synopsis, I was thinking, "Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayers." Yes, a bunch of twenty-something pampered kids think they're going to a resort holiday for for a reality show. When what actually happens is they're dropped in the middle of the forest, and uh, two former survival uh, experts—one uh, I believe from the Marines, the other from the Navy are going to help them learn how to survive without all the accoutrement of being in the modern world. Oh, my God. And Yes, and, and yes, it's going to be very difficult for them. And, and I wanted it to be a little bit more brutal than it is. And, you know, like, like they're trying to sell you on the idea that, that these two experts are going to help bring something out of these snowflakes. You know, toughen them up, get them ready for real life. You know, uh, and, and that's nice, blah, 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 blah. I wanted to see them hurting, okay? I wanted more crying. I wanted more tears. I wanted more more just oh, people quitting. My God. No. Yeah. I but can, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. You know what? I'll pay money to see 20-something millennials whine and be pampered, you know, be dropped into – I would pay money to see that. So, all right, I'm going to have to take that. And what is it? Is it up now? Is it ready to go? It's up right now. You can watch the whole series. I'm at one and a half waffles because, you know what? It feels like everybody knows the role they're supposed to play. This is my big complaint with reality TV now. Everybody tries to fit into the mold. Like, there's a guy who's clearly trying to be the villain, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, we get it. Right, you you right. want to become famous off the show. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, okay. All right. We'll see what that is. One and a half waffle. Snowflake Mountain, Netflix. You got two movies here. Do we have enough time? All We've right. got about three minutes here. Okay, I'll do a black phone is one that I really want you guys to think about. A 13-year-old boy is being held hostage, and there's this mysterious black phone on the wall, and when it rings, he answers it, and it's the voice of a different victim every time. They're trying to help him escape, and, and it really is kind of cool and trippy, and, and it really, it's more of a creepy movie, and, you know, it's not trying to be a bunch of jump scares, it's not supposed to be shocking, it really is more, you know, creepy, and, and, uh, and more of, of kind of an environment, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and it, we, there's a whole other part of the, of the story where his sister has these dreams that might be premonitions, and there's other people in the community who are trying to find the kids who have gone missing, and they're all kind of, there's all kind of relations about who they are and where they go to school. I thought it was moody. I thought it was great. I, I, I and Ethan Hawke as the evil, evil killer. Three and a half waffles, baby. Oh man! I mean, this sounds yep. like an interesting premise. You know, I love it when they stay in their lane and they try don't try to be too many things. You know, is it a is it a mystery? Is it a horror film? Is it a whatever? And if they could stay in the lane and drive that lane well, then it sounds like they did pretty good here. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the way they bring the two worlds together, I thought was really great. You know, the idea that, yeah, you have most of the movie taking place in this room that this kid is being held hostage in, but also on the outside world, everybody's searching for them. Everybody's trying to put together the pieces. Everybody's trying to find the clues. And, and the way that those two things come together for me was worth the money. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Three and a half waffles for Black Phone in theaters right now. Uh, 90 seconds. Elvis in theaters. The man, the myth, the legend, as told by his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who's played by none other than Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, the movie where he got COVID uh, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't worth it, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. It's not, 
it's not a horrible movie. I mean, it's a Boz Lerman movie, so you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of glitz and glamour, and you're going to get a very stylized movie, and it's going to be shiny, and it's, there's going to be lots of quick cuts and montages, and, and the images are almost more important than the acting in, in his movies. And I think right. you really get that sense here in Elvis. As you know, they're, not, they're honestly not trying to tell you the whole life story. They're kind of jumping from moment to moment to moment and then trying to tie it together with like montages and ideas of what's been going on in his life between the big moments uh, so that you know if you want a lot of detail you're not going to get it uh, if you want Tom Hanks to be awesome you're not going to get it and uh, the guy playing because I'm sorry Hanks is just kind of yeah, eh, I get in it. this movie alright negative one to four waffles where are we at I'm going two and a half waffles because I'd rather see it than not see it alright alright I'm down with that all right, my friend. I love me some Boz Lerman anyway. Uh, we will see you next week. Thank you, Willie. Uh, folks, we're out of time. Monday, Elijah Verhagen. And uh, I've already forgotten. Here's Elijah Verhagen and somebody else. Oh, yeah. No. Yes. We'll see you then. Have a great day. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, my friends. Uh, Boz Lorman. I mean, I got to admit, there's, I mean, I've. You know, I haven't loved every movie that he's done, but, you know, I mean, come on, Moulin Rouge and Australia. I mean, there's been some, he's done some epic work. I'll just, let me just throw that out there. Oh, no, he has, you know, The Great Gatsby. Yeah, you know, that's oh, yeah. another one he did. Yeah. You know, and and he brings that energy to Elvis. And and you know, if Elvis is anything, it's the energy. It, it's the phenomenon that he was. And and Lorman can capture that brilliantly. I mean, that that's what I mean. The the best parts of the movie are the parts where he is having Elvis perform, and he is showing you those performances and weaving in the crowd reactions and Colonel Tom Parker's reactions and kind of you know setting the the table for what's going on in society as with this as the backdrop, if you will. I mean. I mean, that's where Lerman's awesome. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to see. Well, I look forward to it anyway, but I think I will wait until it's out of the theaters because I'm not like, I don't want to catch COVID like Hanks. Uh, It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's also like two and a half hours long. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. I don't think Boz Lerman's ever made a movie less than two hours. I mean, that guy... well, the funny part is he says he does have a four-hour version out there that he would love to show people. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Maybe not. Uh, all right, Willie. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. Next week, what are we doing? Oh, we've got the Minions. Uh, you know, so that's going to be awesome. We've got Only Murders in the Building is making a comeback. And, uh, you know, Chris Pratt has a new show on Amazon that looks really interesting called The The Terminalist. The Terminalist. I saw the trailer for this, and I was like, oh, baby, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. That might be pretty cool. (laughs) All right, Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Hey, you got it. I'll talk to you next week. All right, folks. uh, Willie Keppel and Elijah Verhagen on Monday. That's what it's all about. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend, my friends.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.